At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. You know, you, you need so many things to go right to give yourself an opportunity to play in the playoffs, and uh, it's not it's not given to you. And you see how tight the league is; it's it's not easy. So uh, you appreciate those opportunities. You work hard. You know, everybody works hard to you know give ourselves a chance to do that. It's good to know that, but we've got some games here to to keep playing the right way and, and build our game for the playoffs. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, 16 straight playoff appearances now. That's something to embrace. That's the longest active streak in North American sports for Captain Sidney Crosby and company. The other two active playoff streaks that they have right now that are going on, they desperately like to shake. Four consecutive series losses, three straight years of the franchise losing in the first round. Those are trends that they'd like to change. Tim Benz here. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Log on to BetRivers.com and bet on any team to win the NBA Finals and get $5 for every playoff series. One, a weird night for me betting-wise when it comes to hockey. I got the over on the Pens. Took a little to get there, but we got it. Penguins beat the Islanders 6-3. They do clinch a 16th consecutive playoff berth. None of the Islanders guys who usually kill the Penguins scored, though. Bailey, Nelson, Palmieri, they were all silent. Chara scored. That's like seeing a meteor. I hope you had him. I can't imagine what the payoff was there. I didn't even bother to look. It was his first of the year. Lee scored. He often does do damage against the Penguins. And Parisi scored. That's becoming common in an Isles uniform now, too. I did on the radio filling in for Mark Madden tell you the Penguins 
the guys that you should bet on there. Sid getting a point at minus 360. More points against the Islanders than any team he has faced in the NHL. More goals against the Flyers, but more points against the Islanders. He had three points, a goal, and two assists. Bet on Gensel scoring, I told you. He, had, he did that twice. But the three-man parlay that I put together, I tanked on. Only Sid scored. Matthews and Ovechkin didn't, even though the over in Washington hit in the second period, like I predicted. Ovi and Matthews were shut out, though. The Jordan Stahl scoring streak snapped. Where'd that come from? I thought he was going to keep scoring for the rest of the year. So I had a split night. Penguins had a good night. They got their own two points. They gained two on the Canes. They gained two on the Caps. Hurricanes at 104 atop the division. Rangers at 102. Penguins at 97. And the Caps at 92. Just two games tonight, Panthers and Jets. I like Florida on the goal and a half puck line at minus 104. Islanders at minus 148 straight up against the Canadians, even though they play back-to-back games here, including last night against the Pens. No Pens tonight. We don't have to drill down too much on the Bruins line yet because it's not out for the game in Boston. They lost two, a surprise 3-2 defeat at the hands of the Senators yesterday. And after showing up this year's birth, that 6-3 win over the Islanders Thursday, the coaches and players for the Pens, they can now turn their attention to playoff positioning or, more importantly, playing like a playoff team more often than they have the last month of the season. Because let's be honest, whoever the Penguins play in the playoffs, they'll likely be the underdog. They'll probably finish third or fourth in the Metropolitan Division. They won't have home ice. They'll most likely face either a New York Rangers team with 102 points that's beat them three times in a row, or one of two juggernauts that have led the Eastern Conference divisions most of the year in the Carolina Hurricanes with 104 in the Metro, or the Panthers 110 points in the Atlantic. Sure, we could kick around potential playoff X and O advantages and disadvantages in each potential matchup. The Panthers, they lead the NHL with 4.14 goals per game, but goalie Sergei Bobrovsky is a perpetual question mark. I think he's lost 7 of 9 playoff starts now. The other goalie, Spencer Knight, is a 20-year-old in his first full season. The Rangers have a stud goalie in Igor Shosturkin. He's given the Penguins fits. So has the Rangers' speed and forecheck, but that group doesn't have much playoff experience. New York's only postseason appearance the last four years was a 3-0 qualifying round loss to the Hurricanes in the 2020 playoff bubble. And the Canes, well, they're pretty well balanced all around, but the Penguins beat them once 4-2 and lost the other two games to them, 3-2 in OT and 4-3. To me, parsing the minutiae of who the Penguins get as a first-round playoff opponent is far less important than how they're playing going into the postseason. And that's a sentiment head coach Mike Sullivan appeared to echo Thursday night after the victory against the Islanders. We're trying to you know, build a game that, that gives us the best chance to win, regardless of who our opponent is. And uh, a lot of it boils down to details and commitment and things that we work on daily, uh, all season long. So we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to preach that message to our team. I think that's where the focus needs to be, regardless of where the results are, you know, whether we win games or lose games. I think that's the most important thing for us to focus on. The Penguins have six games remaining to sharpen their swords. The next two are against the Boston Bruins with 95 points, who are also on the brink of sewing up a playoff spot in the East. The Pens also host the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday, April 26th. The Oilers have 92 points good for second place in the Pacific Division. They should soak up a Western Conference postseason slot soon, too. Aside from that, the next three games for Sullivan and company are against the Red Wings, Flyers, and Blue Jackets. All Eastern Conference also ran opponents playing out the string. 
in my opinion, the eventual final score of any game the Penguins play the rest of the way means less than how the Pens play in those games themselves. I see the quality of their own play over the last two weeks of the season being a much bigger point of scrutiny than how many games they win or lose along the way. Here's Sidney Crosby on that topic. Yeah, I mean, I think one kind of helps the other, so I think just trying to play play the right way, build. And, uh, you know, obviously you want to win hockey games and feel good about your game. So I think those those tend to go together most times. So um, we've done some good things and haven't got the results. And, uh, you know, I think if we continue to do that, limit, limit team scoring chances and, and play a tight game and uh, really prepare ourselves that way, then uh, I think that's the most important thing. And, and hopefully with that comes the results. What are some things the Pens can tighten up? Well, they did a lot of them against the Islanders Thursday as opposed to how they barfed all over themselves on occasion Tuesday when the Islanders beat them 5-4 to four in a shootout on Long Island. They avoided as many ghastly turnovers as they committed against the Islanders two days ago. And when mistakes were made, Tristan Jari usually kept them out of the net. The game was 5-2 with four minutes left until the action got a little bit loose with the Islanders having to pull their goalie. After five straight defeats personally for Jari, him getting a win was significant as a side story. The Penguins netminder stopped 36 of 39 Islander shots on the night. Penalty kill was also 5 for 5. Sullivan's team had 11 takeaways and 19 block shots. Those were pretty good positives. But the skaters can still allow fewer shots. Again, they gave up 39, win a few more faceoffs, 47, and take a few less penalties and rely less on the Stars to make up so much of the scoring. Crosby, Jake Gensel, Chris Letang at four of the six goals. Here's Letang. I think it's just, uh, you know, a question of keep getting better every day, trying to correct little things uh, in our in our plans going into games and um, feeling good about the playoff coming up. From March 15th through April 14th, the Penguins played 16 games and won seven of them. Ten of them were against other teams that probably are playoff bound, so there is room for improvement. And when I say that, I mean improvement with their own performance, perhaps not so much improvement in the standings, but with the way the Eastern Conference is this season, I think the former is much more important. But let's talk more pens right now with Seth Rorba. He covered the game last night, Pittsburgh Tribune Review, and he joined me to wrap it up in the Breakfast with Ben's podcast over at Trib Live. Seth and I were both in attendance as the Penguins beat the New York Islanders last night 6-3 and secured a playoff spot for a 16th consecutive season. Seth, we'll get to all that in just a second, but we probably should start with the unfortunate news from the hockey world. The passing of Mike Bossy, the legendary New York Islanders winger, Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, dying after a battle with lung cancer. Truly one of the great careers in the NHL, and much like we witnessed here in Pittsburgh, a career that was all too short with the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, he's, when you talk about goal scorers, um, you know, that's just, you know, he's the definition of that. Um, he's uh, he's a guy that just, I mean, he had such a unique ability just to put the puck anywhere he wanted. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you would ever write this, but he might have had one of the five best shots in NHL history um, just had such a unique release. Um, and yeah, and granted, Hey, you know, in 1980s, everyone's scoring goals, but he did it at a rate and did it in such a way. Uh, I think that was even unique for that era. So um, probably had too short of a career for, uh, you know, for his talents, I guess um, probably maybe isn't nearly as appreciated as maybe some of his contemporaries, but 
um, was absolutely just a vital part of uh, one of the NHL's, uh, you know, true dynasties. Um, and, you know, still a team that I, the franchise, I think they're the last franchise to even win three consecutive cups, let alone four Stanley Cups. Um, just a vital part of that, uh, you know, had a, had a great amount of chemistry with Brian Friday, who, you know, we, we've all gotten to know here in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, thanks to his contributions to the Penguins, but, um, yeah, just one of the NHL's true, true, um, uh, you know, uh, goal scorers throughout the, you know, the league's 100 plus history. Um, and yeah, it's been a pretty tough year here or so here for the New York Islanders. I mean, they've also lost, you know, Clark Gillies who passed away in January and, uh, uh, you know, John Potvin, Dennis Potvin's brother, who was a part early part of the Islanders dynasty. He passed away. I want to say back in March. So, um, no, it's been a pretty tough, you know, uh, a little bit of stretch here for, for the New York Islanders and their fans here the last few months. And, uh, but now, like I said earlier, Mike Bossy, just one of the NHL's top goal scorers ever. Yeah, and you said it earlier, Seth, when you were talking about him, um, underappreciated career and uh, in due part, I think, to the fact that he only played like 10 seasons. Uh, remember, he took that year off because he had a bad back. Uh, we all know about that watching Lemieux over the years here in Pittsburgh. But uh, I don't know if he's, you know, however you want to phrase it, Mount Rushmore or top five or something like that. You might be top five all-time wingers, though. Uh, you know, if you if you went through the list, I mean, I don't know how many put in front of them, like maybe Ovechkin and Yager, Richard maybe, but not many. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think we would celebrate him maybe a little bit more if had he, you know, played, you know, 15-some years or whatever it was. But, um, but no, to your point, I mean, as far as just, you know, wingers uh, – uh, guys who could, you know, just score off the fly there. Um, yeah, he has to be up there in the top five or so. Um, yeah, I would, you know, put maybe someone like Maurice Richard in that category or, yeah. you know, even Brett Hall, uh, when he was running strong in the early nineties. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, I just, when I think of Mike Bossy, I just think of a goal scorer, you know, and just that, just that classic, you know, guy off the wing, who can, you know, could pop a, pop a slapper or whatever, uh, from a pretty long distance and beat a goaltender. So, uh, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty sad day, pretty sad time here for the New York Islanders fans. Again, Seth Rorbo with us here as we talk hockey. Pittsburgh Tribune Review writer covers the Pens, and the Pens now have made the playoffs for a 16th consecutive season, the longest such active streak in North American team sports. Now the Penguins look to break a streak in the postseason, Seth, and that's three straight years that a playoff victory and four straight playoff losses. Yeah, I mean, I, that's all going to boiled down to who they play i think uh you know i i would dare say if they played the new york rangers they would not be the favorite uh, i don't think i'm going out on a limb there just given how oh no i wrote that uh, today i don't think they'd be a favorite in any series that they play in the first round regardless of competition yeah i mean unless they found some strange way to flip over and play somehow you know the boston bruins or the washington capitals which is very unlikely just given how you know the, the playoffs yeah. are structured um, I, I just don't see them as, as a favor for, for any kind of potential first round series. They would realistically have a chance to, of competing. in. so um, just the way they've been playing here for the past same month or so, I guess, uh, you know, it really doesn't instill a ton of confidence in them. Um, you know, and, and full credit, full credit to them. You know, they've been dealing with some kind of a virus or bug non COVID uh, that's been, you know, you know, going through the team here is a little bit late. And I have to imagine that's impacted their play in some way, shape or form. Uh, but yeah, like you say, just there hasn't been much reason for confidence in the way they played here, you know, as of late. You know, the, the, I guess it was a good first start, you know, getting a pretty thoroughly uh, convincing win against the New York Islanders here on uh, Thursday after, you know, losing to them on Tuesday. So I suppose that's a step in the right direction. They have a handful more games here to kind of 
you know, get their game in order and, you know, perhaps even, you know, move up a bit uh, in, in the playoff seedings, although that seems like it might be a lost cause at this juncture. But um, they're going to have two, you know, pretty good games here uh, upcoming here with the Boston Bruins on Saturday, then, you know, a four day break, which is so rare in any part of the schedule, let alone at the end here. And then they play the Boston Bruins at home here again on Thursday. So um, they're going to get some pretty stiff competition here uh, in order to try to right their ship, you know, rough out the edges in their game and, who knows, maybe even potentially move up a place or two in the standings here. Yeah, I'll echo what you said earlier about how much of a lost cause that might be. Now, they do have three games against non-playoff teams, three games against playoff teams, uh, two against Boston, one against Edmonton, and then three teams uh, that aren't going to do anything in the East going forward into the postseason, meaning Columbus, the Red Wings, and the Flyers. But I, I'll dwell for a second, Seth, on you know how much that does or doesn't mean if they move around in the playoff bracket. I I just think it's about how do they identify and exploit any matchup advantages that they have in their first round and the quality of their own play within that first round series uh, to me dictates more than where they actually finish because as we've both established, they're going to be the underdog anyway. So you're going to have to pull off an upset one way or another. Just make it about how well you play individually and then collectively as a team. That's, That's how I view it. Yeah, and I, I think that's how most coaches and probably players would tell you at the same time, too. I mean, you know, it's just about rounding out your game and, and getting it into good shape and not necessarily even focusing on you know, where you finish in the standings or you know, how many wins you have or anything like that. It's it's about trying to, you know, to borrow Dan Bowsma you know, phrase here, getting to your game. So, um, you know, the Penguins aren't at their game, like, ideally, uh, here right now as they, as they kind of enter the – the final days here um you're seeing a lot of mistakes uh you know some fairly typically reliable players guys like you know brian dumlin and teddy Blugers of late have had some you know mental errors that have led to goals uh, against uh so i mean there's there's a lot of work here to be done you know even after you know clinching a playoff berth and, uh getting that x next to their name in the standings um it, you know they have to f- find ways to kind of you know rough out some of these you know you know mistakes in their games and, and again who knows me you know maybe some of that's a, a byproduct of you know this illness that, that's been going through their team and you know you know time will kind of you know work that out i guess but um but yeah i mean there's 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 a lot of uh blemishes here that they need to kind of wipe out here uh, before the playoffs start nice to see him again in heinen's score it's been a lot about the top players even yesterday seth of the six goals four of them between crosby gensel and Latang, but Whatever depth scoring they can get is pretty good. Yeah, uh, particularly for Heinen. I mean, that's two goals in, in two consecutive games for him. And, you know, I would dare say each of the goals was fairly important. I mean, the goal on Thursday, you know, put his team up 2 nothing, And um, you know, the goal he had on Tuesday helped him help his team kind of come back in that game and at least, you know, get a point in, in, in the shootout there. So, um, you know, Mike Sullivan, you, know, you mentioned a few weeks ago that about, you know, Dan Heinen, you know, getting less playing time and said, you know, they just like, see a more complete game from him and you know I, I don't know that he's ever gonna be a guy that uh that's in consideration for say the selkie but um I, I think the name of you know the bread and butter for him is just contributing some goals here I mean, he's not gonna be a 20 goal guy but if you can get him in that you know 16 17 18 range and you know by the way the goal on thursday matched a career high for him at 16 um i i think that's a fair return for danton heinen i mean he's a good skater um, he has some offensive just acumen. I mean, we, we saw it earlier in the season when he kind of got off that fast start. I mean, he wasn't just kind of getting goals off his leg or anything like that. I mean, he was 
picking spots. He was kind of reading the plays well and, you know, finding open soft areas in the offensive zone to score goals. And uh, that abandoned him maybe a little bit more as the, you know, as the season kind of bore on here in you know, January, February, March. But um, he's starting to get some some meaningful offense for the Penguins here in these past two games. And, you know, I, I think that's big for him just in terms of showing what he can do to contribute to this team. And um, let's not forget, too, he's on a one-year deal. I mean, he's playing for, for another contract next year. So for him personally, you know, setting some – new numbers here or new career highs here for him could be beneficial for him personally. So, um, you know, he's coming on, I would say, say at the right time here, uh, Brock McGinn, I, you know, you know, he didn't play very much or relatively little in, in the game on, on the, uh, Tuesday, but he actually picked it up a little bit more on Thursday and, you know, got the empty netter and, um, the, the Penguins started using him a little bit more. I, I think him being back in the lineup and being a little bit more, you know, the steadier presence after he dealt with that, I, I assume it was a hand injury or something like that. Um, I, I think that's going to benefit Teddy Bluger. Um, Teddy Bluger really hasn't, you know, looked quite the same as he did before his jaw injury. And, you know, a lot of his return or comeback has been played without uh, Brock McGinn. So I, I think getting those two back, uh, uh, on a line regular on a regular basis will help uh, one another. Uh, but yeah, Brock McGinn, I, you know, he was basically the replacement for Brandon Tanev and uh, that player, that role, I think means a lot to the Penguins in terms of establishing, you know, how they want to play their speed, uh, just being aggressive on the four check, trying to, you know, create turnovers and um, create havoc in the offices in the, in the zone for the defending team. So um, getting Brock McGinn back to full speed, I think means a, quite a bit, uh, to this team and just how they play uh, going into the playoffs. Seth, Chris Letang was asked about this playoff run and what it means to him with it potentially being, you know, the last time the core is together. You know, of the 16 straight that they've had, we don't know if he and Crosby and Malkin will all be back next year. In fact, I think most that would be betting on it right now would be saying that they wouldn't be. And, he downplayed that, but I, I assume that has to be in the minds of him and Crosby and Malkin and probably Mike Sullivan and, and the upper management too, right? I mean, I think it's had to be in their minds, you know, for the last few years. I mean, it's always been kind of, you know, rumors suggested that, hey, you know, maybe some of these guys need to go just given some of their quick playoff exits that's of late, even, you know, going so back so far to when they lost to Montreal in the bubble in 2020. Um that question's always been around. Uh, it's going to be around until, you know, these guys put pen to paper here for a new contract with whoever it is uh, this upcoming summer here. So, um, but, uh, you know, again, I, they're human. They're, they're not going to maybe uh, address it publicly in a press conference setting, but, you know, they're human. They're, they, they know that at some point, you know, the clock hits midnight on all of this. So um, do they take it any, with any, you know, um, you know, greater significance for them. I, I have to imagine, uh, but um, I, I think publicly they're they're just going to try to maintain kind of a stoic face. And just you know, it's business as usual for them, and um, you know they're they're happy to be in the playoffs and they have an ultimate goal. So um, anything else beyond that, I, again, I, I don't know that they they're terribly interested in addressing it publicly. I don't think it does say you know a pending free agent like say Crystal Tang, Brian Rust, or if getting Malkin any good to address it publicly, but, um, um, uh, again, I, I have to imagine it's something in their mind and they're certainly very aware of, especially since, you know, people like you and me have asked them questions about this repeatedly over the past three, four years. Finally, Seth, the Bruins, what do we make of them? Now that the Penguins are about to see them twice. 
Well, it's going to be interesting um, just based on the fact that this is the first game against the Bruins since the whole uh, Tristan Jari, Brad Marchand uh, dust up there uh, back in, what was that, February, I think, or yeah. something like that. So um, you're going to have that that situation kind of, uh, you know, haunting, uh, looming over all of this here. Um, you know, you know, Brad Marchand certainly is, isn't, uh, you know, a, a shrinking violet, particularly when he has a rematch with someone he's crossed paths with here. So. That's going to be a situation that that's uh, going to be interesting to monitor. As as far as the Bruins, um, I mean, it's still the same Bruins that, that, that have you know been a, one of the better NHL's better teams here for the past decade. Um, you, know, you still have the you know the the big couple guys there with like Brad Marchand, you know, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, etc. Um, they got a little bit better. I thought I thought they made a pretty shrewd move here uh, at the trade deadline when they brought in Hampus Lindholm, who's pretty pretty adept uh, defenseman. Um, plays a pretty complete game. They got him from the Anaheim Ducks here at the trade deadline. Uh, I thought that was a pretty big ad for for anyone uh, in, in in the entire NHL, let alone the Eastern Conference. So um, it's going to be interesting to see him, uh, you know, maybe a little more directly with the Bruins, uh, in, you know, in the first game with the Penguins here. So um, I still I'm curious about their goaltending um, as far as a playoff team. Um, you know, for the most part, they've gone with uh, Jeremy Swayman, uh, you know, was kind of a mid-level prospect for a few few years there. Um, I, I just don't know what to read on him. I mean, we always kind of knew what they had when they had, you know, Tuka Rask in there, or even you know, going further back with Tim Thomas. But um, even to a lesser degree, maybe they, you know, and they had uh, Yaroslav Halak there. So um, their goaltending to me is their biggest question mark. Um, they've actually platooned a little bit this year between you know, Jeremy Swayman and, and Linus Olmark, who was formerly a, a, um, a Buffalo Sabre uh, prospect there for a while. But um, I, again, their goaltending's just, I, I'm curious about it. I mean, they, they both played well. They, you know, they, they both have, you know, 20 win seasons here and, you know, pretty sound save percentages, goals against and all that stuff. But um, neither of these guys has, you know, any kind of, you know, postseason experience of note. And, um, I, again, I, I, I will kind of look at them almost the way I look at the Washington Capitals, a pretty good team, you know, for the most part, but what do they have in net? And, um, I, I think that's going to be their, their biggest uh, point of scrutiny as they enter the playoffs for them. All right. So my thanks to Seth Rohrbuck from the Trib Avalanche, by the way, favorites to win the Stanley cup right now at plus three twenty five. Panthers at plus five fifty. They're next. And they're also favored to win the Eastern Conference at plus 225. Penguins to get the cup, they are plus 2,000. To win the East, it's them at plus 900. All right, uh, when we come back, we'll switch gears, talk a little baseball. We'll look at the Buckos. That's coming up next after they signed Key Brian Hayes and took care of Brian Reynolds for a few years, too. That's on the way next to the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pittsburgh CityCast continues. Look at this. Pirates favored at home against the Washington Nationals, minus 118 straight up. Mitch Keller, Eric Fetty on the mound. The Bucks 3-3, three and three, the Nats 3-5. and five. Sure, bet the Buck goes today. Why not? Get some action on the game if you're going to PNC Park. Josh Bell, the former Pirate, two hits against his old team. He's hitting 310, plus 519 to Homer 
Uh, he's due. He's got two already, but come on, he's due to do it against the Bucks. I think he gets one tonight. That'd be a nice little payout. Speaking of the Pirates, everything about being a Pirates fan right now is just weird. Who am I kidding? It's been weird most of my life. I'm 47. Over that time, I can cognitively remember about seven or eight years when I genuinely felt like this franchise had a chance to compete for a championship. For many of you reading this right now, that number could be cut in half, yet here we are still trying to care. The start of 2022 has been particularly strange, coming out of COVID-19 restrictions only to enter a labor dispute that delayed the start of the season. Finding ourselves rooting for the work stoppage to continue in order to make baseball's competitive cost structure change only to be somewhat disappointed when the game started back up because so little had been altered. The organization immediately played contract hardball with star player Brian Reynolds over a piddly $600,000, even though it cobbled together an opening day payroll for its roster that dipped from next to nothing to, yep, somehow even less. Then all of a sudden, ownership throws a franchise record $70 million at third baseman key Brian Hayes. That was surprising. If anyone was going to shatter the decades-old Jason Kendall franchise record of $60 million over six years that he signed back in November of 2000, I thought they'd blow past it by way more than that in 2022. Furthermore, I didn't think it would be Hayes. I never got the impression that he was all that interested in staying in Pittsburgh. I mean, why would he be? I also never got the impression that he'd want to do so for what can easily be presented as a team-friendly deal over eight years. If the Pirates were going to shell out big dollars on a long-term guaranteed contract with Hayes instead of Reynolds, Reynolds looked to be the better bet to me in terms of being worth the cash, but at least they agreed on a shorter-term two-year deal for $13.5 million, which avoided arbitration. That's a step in the right direction. Sure, Hayes is always going to be a plus player defensively, but after his recent struggles with injuries and his offensive regression in 2021, his OPS dipped from 1.124 to 689 last year, why did the Pirates go out of their comfort zone and lock him up long-term when they've been so willing to trade young talent with plenty of good years left at other times? A lot of it is strange, not bad in this case, just kind of odd. But then again, so was the whole press conference to announce the deal with Bob Nutting fumbling through Hayes' baseball biography that he clearly had never read. Ian Ben Charrington stumbling over who should speak at what point, and my goodness, the pageantry of it all. I mean, the entire Pirates roster and management in the room announcing the deal? I don't think there's that much pomp and circumstance when the Steelers announced their contract extension with Ben Roethlisberger in 2015. Maybe there was when the Pens first brought Sidney Crosby to Pittsburgh after he was drafted in 2005. Maybe. I mean, it was oddly over the top, but I get it. When you may only get 55 or 60 wins on the year, and you want to make a big deal out of something off the field to make up for that, you go ahead and you do it, right? Like, those victories off the field are even more scarce than Pirates wins on it. Once the press conference started, however, as weird as things may have felt previously, they got just a little bit more awkward. Like when Hayes alluded to the Pirates' rebuild while sitting on the stage with Nutting and Sherrington when they had been so loath to use that phrase in public. And here's Hayes doing it while sitting right next to them. It was also interesting how Will Crow rejected that phrase following the Pirates' 6-2 win a day later over the Cubs when he said that rebuild crap is annoying to hear. But let's not make this all about Hayes and the contract and the front office and Reynolds, though. How about the near-capacity crowd of 34,400-plus nearly packing PNC Park despite yet another off-season 
of every black and gold bleeding yinzer from Washington to Wampum saying that they'd never attend another Pirates game again, only to see attendance plummet to 91-22 on Wednesday. Frankly, I'm stunned it was that many. Based on the vitriol from the fan base this offseason, if you had told me in advance that 91-22 was going to be the opening day crowd, I would have believed you. I suppose in a unique way, like going to opening day in Pittsburgh, that's almost become a protest vote. It's like the collective fan base kind of saying, we're not showing up on the first day to support the team or support the franchise, especially ownership. We're only coming the first day to remind you that we're still here, but you aren't going to see us again until next April. Now take our $150 in tickets, parking concessions, and cram it. We'll show you. So it's just weird. It was also weird being on the field for batting practice with a handful of my other media peers looking at the players with many of us turning to each other and saying, do you recognize any of these guys? Like, that might happen day one of Steelers rookie minicamp. That's not supposed to happen in day one of a Major League Baseball season, especially coming out of the pandemic and not being in the locker room for two years. I mean, I could only point out a handful of guys that I recognized. And part of me is ashamed to admit that. Then again, I'm not because just look at the state of the team and I'll ask any of the fans if they can name more than 10 guys on the roster. Even by Pirate standards, a lot of this is strange territory. Not Randall Simon hitting a sausage on the head kind of strange, but slightly askew. Yet so is giving a damn about a franchise that for 30 years has clearly stated through its actions that it only cares about winning if it stumbles into it by accident. So what kind of hypocrite would I be to cast aspersions? I'll see you at the ballpark with 9,100 of our closest friends sometime soon. I'll take Oliver Onion in the pierogi race because at least I know who he is without having to look him up on a scorecard. Pirates still 3,000-1 to win the World Series. The Orioles are the only team worse. And just a last thought on the Hayes and Reynolds contracts. They're getting a lot of positive press for working those deals out, and it's a rare thing, and I guess the Pirates should be applauded for that. But let's keep the Seinfeld adage in mind here, okay? It's not the taking of the reservation that's important. It's the keeping of the reservation that's important. Remember that episode? That's where I am with the Pirates and these deals. Yep, they signed the guys to a contract, but that doesn't mean they're going to retain them for the lives of those contracts, especially Hayes. Maybe Reynolds after the two years. Maybe he stays here for those two and then leaves. But all they've really done is put a fixed point out there for other teams to know what those players are going to cost and how they would count against their books and to equate cost going out in terms of prospects in return. Like, that's the other side of this that nobody wants to talk about because it just feels good to say that the Pirates are retaining and spending a little bit. All they've done is fix the contracts for other teams to put their eyes on and say, okay, this is what it's going to cost me to get those guys. Now, what's it going to cost us in prospects? Again, not about taking the reservation. It's about keeping the reservation. All right, that'll do it for the Pittsburgh CityCast today. We will be back with you next week on Monday. It's a Madden Monday on the way, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.